1: Hello and welcome along to the Premier League on NBC podcast, our way to keep in touch with you all and each other, actually, as we see out this most difficult of times. First of all, as we do every week, we want to send our love and our best wishes to everyone listening or watching and hope that you're keeping as safe as you possibly can. There's something else we must touch on today. It is the 31st anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster. Um, On this day, back in 1989, 96 people lost their lives. So our thoughts are, of course, with all the Hillsborough victims' families today, 31 years on, would you believe? Um, on the podcast today, if you're watching, you can see their lovely faces, Graham Lusso, Carl Martino, Robbie Musto, Arla White, and Robbie Earl. we're all connected through Zoom today as we have been for the last few weeks. Before we get into the real topic of today's podcast, gentlemen, we have something that we have not had in a few weeks, and that, my friends... some real football news some breaking news I know although it's not fully confirmed so it's not actually fully done yet but Newcastle United look to be about as close to being sold as they have been in quite some time Mike Ashley everybody knows the owner of Newcastle not the most popular owner in the Premier League maybe the most unpopular in fact um, has owned the club since 2007 did actually put the club on the market to try and sell it back in October 2017 and there have been times over the last couple of years where we thought it was gonna happen and then it fell away. Well, it looks about as close as it's been um, since he put it on the market. The price has been agreed with PCP Capital Partners led by Amanda Stably for around 300 million pounds. The asking price was a bit more than that, about 340 million by Mike Ashley. but with the coronavirus pandemic they do think that's of course had a significant impact on the value of the club just to give you a little bit of background 80% of the club shares will be held by pc p partners um which is actually the Saudi fund, PIF, controlled by the Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Amanda Savi is going to hold 10% of the shares, um, and it is expected that she will actually have quite a large role in running the club day And then the final 10% will be controlled by David and Simon Rubin, um, who have significant property interests in Newcastle. They're billionaires. Um, they also own the race course there in Newcastle as well. So that's how, if it goes through, if it is ratified by the Premier League, that is how the new look, Newcastle United, will be presented and will be owned. Robbie Musto, I'm going to come to touch on this first with you. If you're a Newcastle United fan waking up to that news in the UK today, in amongst all the doom and gloom that everybody is facing, that, that's their chink of light, isn't it?
2: Oh, it really is. I mean, uh, the excitement around the Newcastle area must be very, very strong. It's just that they have been here before, Rebecca, where they thought they were selling a club two or three times before. It never really happened. Um, I read the reports like you have and you've just given all the information there. It does seem like this is very, very close and it's absolutely the right thing to do. I think they all, I think, you know, Ashley wants to get out, He's wanted to get out for more than three years now and the club needs new direction and needs new investment. It's been hanging on the Premier League, hasn't it? And they've been, well, they've got, they've had good managers. Rafa Benitez was a great get to get him to to look after the football club. Defensively did enough. Transfer-wise did enough to keep the club in the Premier League. Um, I actually thought and tipped them to go down this season um, when hopefully we will finish this season. I think they're going to be okay now with the points that they've got. So it's absolutely what they need. The fans will expect investment, big money, and of course it could be be big money, Saudi money. You know, who knows what they're going to do to this football club, but I think we all know on this call the potential of Newcastle United and the way that they will fill this stadium, but it's other revenues they've got to work on, commercial deals, better sponsorship deals to increase the The revenue to go and buy some of the players that the fans want to see. So it's great, great news. Fingers crossed, I'm sure, for all the Geordies up there. Um, Let's hope this time for them that it happens.
1: Arlo, over there in the UK, listening to the likes of Talk Sport, Radio 5 Live, watching Sky Sports News. I'm sure we've had some Newcastle fans maybe on the phone giving their first impressions of the situation. Can you share with us what you might have picked up on over the last 24 hours?
3: Just I don't think anyone wants to get carried away that, you know, uh, they've been, as Musty just said, they've been led to the water so many times, but but been prevented from taking a drink um, because of previous deals, including this one, uh, falling through. This sounds as close as they've ever got, though. Um, but until it's signed, sealed and delivered, I don't think Newcastle fans are going to get carried away, although they probably are allowing themselves a little bit to think about what this might be like. You know, for Newcastle, I think the phrase addition by subtraction comes into it for me, for the for the fans. Honestly, if Mike Ashley had sold the entire club for 50 quid to a, cha- a, a guy, a Geordie, a Newcastle fan who ran a chain of butcher shops, I think they'd be dancing in the streets of Newcastle, uh, well, obviously, you know, two metres apart, of course, because, you know, he was so phenomenally Um, unappealing and unpopular to to the Toon Army. It just didn't get what Newcastle United and what the city of Newcastle was all about. And you have to hope that Amanda Stavely, who I I understand will be in day-to-day charge of the club, she has got more of a a sense of what this is about. You know, it's a business decision as well. And they know that this is potentially a sleeping giant of a football club. You could get 52,000 people through the turnstiles week in, week out. If you're playing good football and you're investing and there's an excitement, it will sweep through the city and and you know we've seen the tune Army travel everywhere around the country and they buy every bit of merchandise you can imagine so it's you know a lot of money to be made there if the club is run properly and it's engaged with the supporters you know what I'd like to see as well Rebecca first up Um, I think Spurs have reneged on the furloughing. I think Liverpool have, I think Bournemouth have. It'd be very interesting to see if, if, you know, a first way of saying we're with you, we're with the city of Newcastle, we're going back on this idea that we're furloughing our workers and sending them off to the government for for handouts. I think that would be a fantastic start, but it looks good for, for Newcastle fans on this.
1: Graham, if you're Steve Bruce, what might you be thinking right now?
4: Um, I think, uh, like everything, with these sorts of deals, and we've seen it before, uh, Robbie Mosto mentioned it, the amount of um, speculation around Mike Ashley selling the club, and and this is still at its very early stages, so I think most people working at the club or fans of the club are going to be very cautious in the way they approach this, because they won't want to build their hopes up too much. But, But I think from Steve Bruce's point of view, it's clear that any coach wants funds to invest in the team, and I disagree with Arlo slightly in the sense that I think the the club you know can make money but I think it's a hard club to make money at because the the nature of of the economics you know um you fill the stadium of course but you you've got you know you can't you can't expand in the way that, that, that clubs in um in different geographies can um I think you have to be much more creative in the way you run the club but if there's a lot of investment um coming in from from uh, Saudi then and they're prepared to write checks, write big checks, and not not look to see a return on that investment. Um, certainly in the short to medium term, then then obviously the club can can achieve, I think, some stability and and sort of start looking at its position in in the league. Now, you know, the other thing for Newcastle with me is that the history of the club and the sleeping giant tag is it almost holds them back. I think they they have to look at themselves as as a Premier League football club that is just about Surviving and has done over the last few years, um, and it needs that investment, that quality. And Steve Bruce will be the first one to be, I suppose, writing his shopping list. Um, but at the same time, you know, they'll be looking, thinking, well, who, who, who are the right people, both on and off the pitch, that are going to take this club further. And um, you know, he's done well. I think Steve, um, you know, particularly with the run of games that they had, seems like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? Since we last watched the football match, um, but. It's um, it's a it's potentially a very exciting uh, time for, for Newcastle and the whole area.
1: Robbie, Earl, um, mm. there's a whole generation out there, probably two generations actually, um, since Newcastle won a piece of silverware—the mm. first cup, I think it was, was it not? And I'll allow able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that's you know 50s or 60s, I want to say. Um, 60s, mm. yeah. That's right. So, so explain to the listeners mm. over here in the United States. Just the potential of if this takeover is ratified and if, as Graham talks about, there is a checkbook with plenty of checks coming out for plenty of players. Just imagine for us what this club could look like.
5: Instantly back, and it's probably the, the easiest thing for me to say is you'd be a new top six. Newcastle United would be a top six team. Absolutely, no doubt about it. There are so many... Little things that you could do with that football club that could change it. And the first thing you've got to do, and, and we call it Newcastle United. It's not been United for 13 years since Mike Ashley took over this football club. There's been a separation between the, the fans and the ownership group. They, they've not understood each other. Much like um, John Henry has gone in at Liverpool and understood the football club and has been part of it and part of the community. Ashley run, runs the, the Newcastle United like he runs one of his businesses. Just wants to make profit, if it just stays in the league. Robbie well, we have talked about, I'll get Rafa Benitez, I'll give him no money. Our sole objective is to not be in the bottom three, and that will do. Well, the potential of this football club, run well, with the right support, with the right money, is a Champions League finisher, is it, is it, is a top six team, is a top four team. Dare I say it, right manager, right money, look where Manchester City was first, a title winner, a title oh. winner. You've got, everything, I,
0: you've,
1: got everything you need
5: you've got everything you need in that football club to be <coughs> what Manchester City were before the money came
2: in. Yeah, Rob, let me just let me. The only thing with that, right? And I'm interested yeah. in what people, the guys think it's okay to bring in the Saudi money, but financial fair play is going to stop them. Financial fair play, they can only I spend mean, what I you mean, make. They're not making the big money yet, are they? They've got to increase their revenues, their sponsorship deals, before they can yeah. start spending the money because they're going to fall out of the. Financial fair play rules.
5: Surely that starts to come with better players, better business sense, people who are interested in developing the football club. Financial fair play, we know, is being challenged by Manchester City. We'll see what happens with that case. It could be very different. What I'm saying, Rob, is with the right amount of money, the right guy and the right support, you've got a football club. It shouldn't be every season staying. Will we stay in the league? I feel sorry for the Newcastle fans because we've all been there, we've all played there. It's such a brilliant place to go and play football. I did a, my top five list of stadiums to play for. Newcastle United was one of them. 50,000 people turn up whatever's been served up. I feel sorry for the US fans over here who, we keep talking about Newcastle, they must mm-hmm. scratch their heads and think, yeah. In the time we've had the Premier League, Newcastle, they think <laughs> about staying in the league. And, and I feel sorry sometimes for us that we're not seeing that team, Rob, the, the Keegan team. The, the time you run up on the go to the bus and there's all the fans outside and there's an excitement around St James's Park that is bigger than Manchester City, is it, it, as big as, as Spurs, as big as West Ham. That, that's what we're talking at this football club a club that has got the capacity to go into that top six and hold its own.
1: Kyle? what is the perception of newcastle united over here do you think because robbie L., I think made a really good point there there must be a lot of people scratching their heads when we consistently talk about the potentialist club it's a great club it's huge it's massive and they're like you yeah, but they're like 17th always 17. 17. So what is the perception of newcastle where you're standing representing this country
6: well newcastle um is a lot like beans on toast. I mean, you guys keep telling me, it's incredible. And it's, incredible. it's so bad. I, I don't understand how it's a complete staple. It is pretty windy up there.
2: To-
6: well, honestly, you know, what's so funny. I was here in Earl, and, like, you know, I, um, I think I'm a perfect example of how um, is the disconnect. Because when I was younger, I, I, when the Premier League first became big in our country in terms of it was being shown regularly and, and, and kids could watch the games. Um, I rem- I mean, Shearer was one of five names you could just list immediately when you talk Premier League. And um, I remember David Ginola and that like huge comforter looking Jersey that they wore that looked like a rugby Jersey that we like, you just, there was so much about Newcastle that they were, you talk about like big six in my mind when I, when I grew up, Newcastle was in that, in that discussion. And every weekend, I knew the stars. I knew the stories. I feel like we, we, we keep trying to sell that, that that is still the case or that still is relevant. And I, I you know, I obviously see the potential. Um, one of my big fears is like, listen, the claps tonight for, for all of the incredible uh, you know, healthcare workers will be a little bit louder up north because I think they'll also be the exit of, of Mike Ashley. But the big problem there is I, I just – I really hope they don't think that's a panacea. All of a sudden, Mike Ashley's gone and this thing works because the reality is um, they will assign blame on someone new. Listen, fans fans want to assign blame on someone when when the things aren't going the way they expect them to go. I mean, Sunderland's a cautionary tale, even though it's up north and and rivals, it's not the exact same thing. But, you know, spending money doesn't guarantee success. You know, getting new ownership doesn't guarantee success. Getting rid of bad ownership doesn't guarantee success. So I think this is a positive piece of news if it comes through. I'm hopeful that Newcastle become relevant again because, you know, they, they, they are a sleeping giant. I do believe it in how much the fans actually care. It's just there's a lot of work to be done and just kind of, tangentially a little side note is like you know the FIFA fair play accounting how does that work if they finish the season and revenues get absolutely crushed because they're 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 not getting any of the gate anymore so the the ability to hit the ground running and rebuild by spending cash is not going to be easy for the new ownership of Newcastle. Uh, that's just on, the, on
3: on Musty's point about financial fair play I, I think that's why Amanda Staveley is in the position that she's in? She comes from a very, very high-level financial background in the City of London. Years and years of experience. So she's going to be in charge of the day-to-day running and adhering to any sort of rules and regulations that, that they have to do. One of the major issues they're going to face, um, which has been a bit of an issue over the last 10 or 15 years, maybe because they don't pay the money um, or the subsidies that you need to pay to get players from overseas to go out of London and to go north, like uh, the likes of uh, City, Liverpool. And Manchester United have had to do is attracting players to Newcastle. Because when you think about if you're Spanish, if you're Italian, you know, the weather is a little bit harsher up there, the wind is is a bit icier up there, and you are that sort of a distance away from where you perceive to be the centre of, of the universe in England, which is London. So they're gonna to have to pay premiums to get guys to go up there, whether that fits in with the model of financial fair play as well. There are gonna be some challenges ahead, but as long as you get the Toon army on board and you show that you, you're willing. And you're passionate, and you share their passion. Then who knows? It wasn't a team of absolute superstars under Kevin Keegan, was it? That went so close. And look at the the wave of of, of enthusiasm uh, at that time. It was it was intoxicating. And it's, unfortunately, they just came up short. But if they can get on that sort of wave again, it's going to be a thrill ride.
5: Although one, one last point for me as well. In, in the, the one thing you want in your area, in teams, I would say Chelsea are just getting to that point. Local local boys, academy people from that area. It's been a hotbed of talent from when we would go back to the Gaza days and the Waddle days and Beardsley before that. The Longstaff, the Longstaff brothers now are a good example of is talent in that area, if it's, if it's worked well, if it's kept up there, if it's nurtured through, they could have a great balance of good experienced international professionals and
6: local talent. They could, could be really yeah. exciting. And, and the big thing too that you have to remember is I don't know if any, anyone knows this, the distance from the top of the stands.
1: Um, <laughs> 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 Sorry. You we have, have, to,
6: amazing fact, right? we Inside
1: have to Yon. explain this. Kyle, you have to explain that to the listeners.
6: Well, so Musto is the king <laughs> of throwing out remarkable, unknown, useless (laughs) facts that can be challenged because there's no way to prove them without doing something stupid. One day, it's just quiet in the studio. We're just sitting there, you know, watching the game. And Musto, you know, he puts his glasses down. Listen, did you guys know that the distance from the top of of the stand all the way to the midfield line is how how long, Musto?
2: Quarter of a mile. (laughs) (laughs) It just is. Is data <laughs> it's data in fact. Amazing. where the away fans sit, it's right at the top. They made it higher and further away. It's a lot a long way from this with the kickoff <laughs> spot, it's quarter of a mile.
1: Amazing. It's literally amazing. You have to file that alongside Dan Byrne, tallest fullback in the history of <laughs> world football. That's another one Absolutely. we had only this season. Okay. Um Newcastle United I like beans on toast. That is why people tune in. For this podcast, I love it. Um, okay, Kyle, I'm going to start back with you, actually, first up. Because before the Newcastle Breaking News, we we're going to talk a little bit about and share with our viewers and our listeners about how we all prepared, not only for the show itself in terms of the pre-game, halftime, post-game, but also the watching of a game and how you guys watch a game in the studio and the differences that everyone goes through throughout the week. Kyle, talk us through how you prepare for Premier League
6: um, so it starts with our incredible team. Uh, and there are many people that, that are, um, our viewers every weekend don't see. I mean, NBC sports soccer team is massive. We are a big family. And so it starts with getting these links to games from the prior week. And so what I do is I click on all of them and download first half, second half of every game and load up my laptop, so it's basically wallpapered with all these games. And just one by one, start getting rid of boxes by watching these games. And and at the beginning of the week, because you don't know, or sorry, beginning of the season, um, because you, the the teams have been refreshed, either a new manager, a couple of new players. I, I spend a lot of time during the beginning of the year, trying to understand systems, tendencies, how do the new players impact the new side? So at the beginning of the year, it's really analytical. Watch the games, like really try to understand things. I would say as the season goes on,
1: Oh, I'll, I'll Kyle! Sorry to interrupt you, Kyle. Sorry, so sorry. Um, hey. Wow! Is it God, nice of
7: you to join us, Dicko. <laughs> <laughs> I've admit, I've missed something.
1: <laughs> no, scandalous. Just started. We just started. All you, all those, oh, oh, as Lee Dixon
7: has just joined the
4: podcast one whole half an hour late. Douglas. What
7: Hello. I tried to miss talk, Kyle's talk. bit, but obviously I failed. <laughs>
6: Yeah, just tune back Arlo, in in about 20 minutes. I'll, I'll be done with this we, we are just Arlo, talking talk about us, how we prepare. Talk prepared.
4: us through, Arlo. Sorry. Talk us through, Arlo, what Lee does or says if one of us is a minute late
3: for a oh car. My God. Oh, my God. Woe betide. You're 30 seconds late with your face <laughs> coming out of a hotel. If, Dixon's And in I the quote
4: yeah. Wouldn't
3: have worked for George Graham this. You'd have been fine. Two weeks <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
4: Bigger. If you're on time, you're late. And if yeah. you're late, you're really late and you're in trouble.
1: <laughs> right, well, we, you're gonna, we're going to come to you last. We're going to have to sit through everybody else. So we're going to go back to Kmart Because he was halfway through. Sorry, Kmart. So you were talking about systems and what you're watching for.
6: Yeah, and by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, always on time. Never late to anything. So just wanted to go <laughs> for the record.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
6: <laughs> so, um, yeah, we will start, start beginning of the season watching a lot of game tape, so to speak. And then um, as the season goes on, it kind of becomes more storyline-based. So I'll spend more time watching interviews and reading articles. And so, so it kind of starts much more about watching the teams, understanding the teams. And that's always a part of it. But I think I think the storylines start to drive things and, and, you know, what players are saying, what managers are saying, what agents are saying. And so I, I think as the season goes on, I'll, I'll start to bring in more reading articles and listening to – Interviews or podcasts and things like that, and then it comes becomes kind of a 50-50 balance of you know watching the games that are coming up on the weekend because it's just so hard to get through all of them, and then obviously just taking just just boatloads of notes, copious notes. Have <laughs> <laughs> you changed your <laughs> context, <laughs> um, since I saw you last, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, new 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 uh, new system. This <laughs> i I would say Kyle is
1: the only person I've worked with in the history of my. Career who doesn't have a single piece of paper on the desk in front of him, which is actually quite amazing to be honest. Environmentalist, Even, yeah. Well,
3: no, I him a oh. pen Bex, and he's like, What, what, what do I well, press? You, what do
1: I do? Oh, yeah, we often get to 10 a.m. Can, can I get a pen? If you for three hours, <laughs> can I get a friggin' pen? I mean, unbelievable. Um, Kmart, what did you talk about how when you're actually watching the games in the studio, you're, is that different from Robbie yeah. and Robbie?
6: Well, you know, what's what's tough in the um. In the studio is the 10 a.m. window. There's too many too many games. I, all of them <laughs> up on the board. I, we'll I just we'll get, have a I,
4: word with the Premier League, see if they can change that for you. <laughs> yeah,
6: they can just do one during that window. There's just so many games, I get a little bit of anxiety. So we have a little section off in the side of the studio uh, called the living room. Um, and uh, I go into the living room, and I sit and, and I watch one game. And... Um, sometimes not the game I'm supposed to watch, but just what, what I started watching. Uh, can't watch all the games. There's so many. It's tough.
1: Hey Mark, just finally, why were you called the sponge in college?
6: Oh. Um, well, this I'll is going to sound... tell that story. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> There are, there are parts of my brain that don't that don't work very well, and we we figured that out over the years. And then there's one part of it that um, I've sharpened over the years, which it, it can take information and load it up, remember it for a short time period, and use it, and then it's gone. So I would miss some classes from time to time, and before the midterms or before the finals, I'd show up at the study group and I would just sit there and listen. Um, and they called me the sponge because I would just kind of steal all of the, the information that everyone was going to class and, and learning, and then have enough in my head for the exam and have some sort of ability to go through it, that database, recite it, pass. C, C plus, sometimes a B, um, <laughs> and, uh, and just get through, mm. just get through that way, the sponge. Doesn't
1: surprise me, one iota. Um, okay, interesting. Um, GLS, grand Lasseau, so, how did Ooh. you work in preparation for a show?
4: <coughs> oh, wait, well, I think, you only, yeah, you only need to listen to me and Leon commentary <laughs> to realise we do absolutely no research whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, no, I, I mean, again, you know, we watch so many games. I, th- I think for us, when we're commentating, you're always waiting until you get the teams. So you can prepare as much as you want about the, the what's happened in the previous weeks and which players look, uh, are likely to be influential within a game. But ultimately, until that team is named an hour, just over an hour before the kickoff, off um, you're a little bit sort of just waiting, getting ready. And then... Working out formations, and quite often we'll have a chat with you guys in the studio. We'll be watching warm ups, trying to see if, if a team's playing a particular formation. Um, obviously, there's the odd curveball when you get a couple of players that are named in the team, and we have that that conversation, trying to look for clues. So it's a little bit of detective work, really. I think from from the commentary position. Um, obviously, the research pack and Kyle was talking about. You know, there's all the staff, um, all the guys that work behind the scenes to give us all the research. That's invaluable for me because it's It's the sort of the con, um, condensed information that that you might need and gives you context to to the team and individual players um, that you're just about to to commentate on um, challenges are I think you know we'd all agree probably um, we've already spoken about Newcastle Newcastle's kit would be a challenge with the numbers mm-hmm. on the back when you're when you're at St James's Park and you can't see anything um, I have and nine West back. Ham's it's because oh. it's a
6: quarter of a mile, Graham, from where you're sitting. <laughs> <in the hospital. laughs>
4: and if that's quarter of a mile, the uh, the <laughs> London Stadium at West Ham is at least a mile and a half from the top <laughs> of, of yeah, the gantry yeah. to Probably. To, to the pitch, yeah. because it makes it so difficult. So um, there are there are definitely. Um, Hurdles to overcome when you're commentating in those positions because you you do hesitate slightly when when you're trying to talk about a player and you can you can lose that flow a little bit. But generally, I think uh, yeah, my I, I view my job as, as as trying to unpick the the game as it's happening and 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 therefore too much sort of information beforehand, too many stats. I think can certainly for me because I'm quite a simple fellow. um, can confuse what I think my job is, which is to try and, give, <laughs> try and give people a bit more of the the overview of the whole game. And we talk a lot about what you can't see, because I think that sets the context of, of when something happens uh, at either end of the pitch, because we are hey, privileged Gr- enough to be able to Graham, watch much.
6: Graham, uh, Graham, can I ask you real quick? You, you, when you guys do a three-man booth, um, I, I haven't done it much. I've done it a couple of times. I mean, that, that's a pretty unique thing, um, do you, how, how do you and Lee, I've never asked you this, how, how do you guys prepare for that? Do you? Or like, how do you kind of know who's coming in, who's not? Like, how do you feel that out?
4: Um, well, I, I basically, I just follow one simple rule. I just let Lee talk first. <laughs> no, that's not true. Rule. I mean, we, 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 it's amazing, actually, because it shouldn't work, really. And some people might say it doesn't. But, but ultimately, we, we very quickly established a way of communicating with each other Without even having to to look at each other, it's just a simple movement of a microphone, somebody leaning forward, and obviously Arlo as well trying to conduct the two of us and making sure that he gets um, gets his sort of the flow of of what he needs to do in terms of commentating on the game um, It takes a lot of discipline and and I think it took a bit of time for us to really work out the the the, the way the symmetry I suppose of how we work but but it's great fun because. I think we share a lot of sort of um laughs during the game as well and, and a lot of conversations between Lee and I about problems on the pitch that as two ex players you you feel like you've got something you can talk about there a bit like you know if we were having that conversation with with you guys in the studio I don't know if you feel the same Lee
7: Yeah I mean there, there is a, a hard and set rule um When you're doing a a three-man booth, and that is keep Arlo off the mic as long as possible.
3: That's
0: (laughs) (laughs)
7: that's just how it works. And if we can tick that box, then everyone's a winner. You know, it's (laughs) class. That's it. Wait,
6: Dicko, Dicko, one story. One story. I want to hear. Was it you that you you the opposite of this rule didn't make it back to the booth booth for some reason, and Arlo had to start a second half by himself? Or
7: I was was hoping somebody wouldn't bring that up. When, when Pierre sent the, uh, the the subject of this week, how you prepare, I thought there'd be some numpty, and that'll be you. Yeah. We'll probably bring that up. So yeah, that was, uh, that, that was Southampton away, and um, I, I had a dodgy lunch, let's just put it that way. And, uh, it
6: was it was, so. The funny thing it was, does about, always dodgy. <laughs> you just spoke like a footballer, that was
1: Southampton away. What do you mean absent away? You mean there? Where else would
3: they be? <laughs> oh yeah.
7: For a minute, then I thought I was playing in the game. Yeah, I wasn't, wasn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, so yes, well, I was. I first was awake. Half,
7: and, I was awake.
4: Something that was away.
3: For the first time, and I, like, you scribbled something on a piece of paper in front of me saying "got to go," <laughs> and I'm like, "What do you mean?" But obviously, I can't ask him. Because we're live on air. And then he goes.
2: I'll tell you. I'll <laughs> tell you the...
3: from, from our executive producer, Pierre Musa. I get, yeah, Lee's gone. And I said, no, he's gone. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I'm down the Wait, it was in the middle of the game? It was in the middle of the game. It was the middle of the first half, Kyle. No, Kyle. There was a kid at some point who kind of went, oh, is Lee Dixon and went to get an autograph? And he was dismissed very quickly. Oh, and right. then I'm thinking, he's still having what's going I mean. on? So I had to come on to it,
7: and then there was a chance. So was, it, was it a goal was it really No, what, no what, I, what happened, Arlo, was what, I went down the lazy to Pierre and I said, Pierre, I've got to go. And, he, and then I went, <laughs> and I wrote down on the piece of paper to you that I had to go. Then I ran down, the, and St. Mary's is one, one load of stairs that goes right down to the bottom. So I just threw my headset off and I went down these stairs. And when I got down the bottom of the stairs, I turned the corner. And there was a, it was a guy, it wasn't a young man, it was a guy with a cup of tea. And he he, he was walking towards me and he went, Lee! And I, I just went, literally went like this, knocked his tea out of his hand. <laughs> oh, you did!
1: And I
7: swear man to God, he, he, he just went. <laughs> I went in, I got back anyway, I got back to the bottom of the stairs and I thought, right, so I sprinted all the way up to the top. And anyone who's done any sort of exercise will know there's a tiny bit of lag between... Doing exercise for the first time of the day, and then the oxygen debt, and then it catching up. So by the time I got to the top of the stairs, I sat back down, headphones on, quite you know <laughs> calm. Just sat down, picked my mic up. Arlo looked at me like that, and I go. Just then, Aguero had gone through one on one with the goalkeeper, and he's in the middle of talk- talking about that, and then he's then he then he literally stopped talking. No, you would have to do, You had to do the replay yourself,
3: didn't yes, you? Because I, I just,
7: replay, I just yeah. sat down and I got the mic and I picked it up. There'd no, no oxygen debt whatsoever, <laughs> and it just started to kick in. And I was like, <laughs> I, literally, I literally had to do the second replay with about two mi- millimeters of oxygen in my lung, and basically just went, "Look where I missed it," and that was it.
4: And, uh... But Lee. Nick, can you just can you just explain to people what what you went down the lazy to pierre means
1: yeah that's that's right what is a lazy
4: <laughs> sorry yeah the, the,
7: the little button that we get to press that cuts off your mic except to our uh, our glorious leader in in stamford <laughs> <laughs>
4: so
7: okay only Did he I... heard the words that i said to him and he kind of got the picture straight away
5: him <laughs> in the whole control room, which is about fifty other people. That do that.
7: No. <laughs> yeah, no. from them, obviously.
1: Brilliant, brilliant, Dicko, We'll just we'll stick with you though. Just just talk us through like how your week works. What do, what do you do kind of by yourself before you get to the ground? Sort of as you You know, do you have a little regime like players often did before games to do before a game? <laughs>
7: Yeah, and I think that what the boys have said so far, it, there is these there's vast differences in how the lads prepare. And Me and Graham, are fortunate enough, and Arlo, have been in the studio at Stanford and prepared as if it is a, um, a studio and gone in there. And it's, you know, that that gig is a tough gig. Being in the studio, not after knowing all the teams, know all the players on that instant, I mean, it is a tough gig, but it's a completely different skill set to what we do on a regular basis. And the, that's why the, I think the boys, when they come over for the big weekend, really enjoy that going into the commentary box and doing a different skill. And we like going into the studio. Um, but it is totally different. My prep for a, for a studio, as as the lads all know, is, is, is obviously more detailed. You've got to know more stuff on the spot. And I tend to rely on on the, in the co-com, and I think Graham's similar, too much information is 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 not good for me, you know. If I go in with a, 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 the stat pack coming out my ears, and I've read it all weekend, and I'm right on everything like that, that's not why, you know. That's not my that's not my show. That's that's Arlo's for the stats, and um, maybe sometimes it helps to have that stat pack that we get is brilliant because it's just got enough in. We've got another visitor by the look of it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> is that Paul? Spider-Man <laughs> oh, I'll
1: see you after, see you after.
6: be back soon okay, hi, Daddy. Oh, Daddy. okay So bye hi Teddy Teddy okay be back in a bit
1: okay be okay
6: good boy he's like if Lee was late why can't I be late yeah exactly
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry it's like Ted Invasion
6: that's alright <laughs> right.
7: so so the the actual prep on a game is we, we do an awful lot of travelling and um, that's probably the biggest headache from from what we do is that and and obviously where where we live we live in the south we live near london and nine times out of ten we're manchester or liverpool
0: every weekend so
7: you kind of you know you're eight hours on the road every single weekend on a saturday and then you might be going to brighton on the sunday so
4: you spend a lot of time in cars and i I find the great thing for you lee the great thing for you is you get to do it with me you get to share a car with me
7: which which everybody who d- doesn't even know you know how painful that can be.
4: <laughs> I'll tee um, you up.
7: Yeah, you know, I, I immediately get in the car. Graham's normally in there and i straight on the headphones. Yeah, I've got a call coming in, Graham. And I try and make that call last for four hours. If i talking to anybody. I've even phoned Musty, I think, once just to get away from <laughs>
6: the beauty is that that doesn't stop bram he just keeps talking to (laughs) you
7: so the the the, the prep you you can do most of your prep in the car on the way there so when i get there the, the the beauty of what we do is that we're we're actually at the game and so the lads will tell you there's nothing better than being at the game and so you're not really doing anything prep wise you're basically just sucking it all in the atmosphere the sights, the smells. You know, you go to each different ground and they all smell differently. I know it sounds weird, but... Especially Southampton on
1: certain days. Especially Southampton. <laughs>
7: <laughs> you can kind of work out where you are. Did you make
4: you know? it to the... Oh, sorry. No, no, no.
7: No, let's not go there. Yeah, I did, Yeah. <laughs> But you can, you can kind of work out where you are by the the smell of the ground, by the certain skylines and all that. And all of that is is invigorating. It gets you in the mood. It gets you ready for a Premier League game. And, um, and so you kind of, that excitement that you get, I get very um, similar feelings to when I was playing. I, really, I wake up on a Saturday morning. I can't wait to get to the stadium. I can't wait to get to see Graham and Arlo sometimes. And, and the actual process is very similar to a game. You, you get nervous. I get nervous going into a, going into, um, a commentary because you kind of don't want to make a mistake. You want to be prepared. You want to make sure that you know the teams. You, you want to make sure that, that you're just looking forward to a good game, an exciting game. And then, as Graham said, when the teams start coming through, you start then to sort of calm down and start... But the thing is, you, can't, you, have got no, you can prep for a studio because you can set the game up. That's what you're doing. You're setting the game up for people to then watch <clears throat> it. What we're doing is we're involved in the game. So you can't, you don't know what's going to happen. Something could happen in minute one. Something can not happen until just before halftime. The excitement levels, you don't know whether they're going to be up. You don't know whether you've got to, you know, enhance the game with your talking. It might be a really boring game. It might be brilliant and you don't have to say much. So that, that's the beauty of what we do is we're in the moment and in the game as opposed to being on the fringes of it, like like maybe the studio is a little bit at times.
1: And it's interesting because having worked with Kyle, Robbie and Robbie for seven years and seen them week in, week out, all prepare and very, very differently. I think we've heard from Kyle. So it's interesting now to go to the two Robbies. Ulster, I'll start with you because I would probably suggest you are about as opposite to Kmart in yeah. terms of notes yeah. as anyone in the world. <laughs>
5: Yeah, it's interesting, Bex, because um, obviously we'll try and ask you about your prep and and, and working. And you've worked with, you know, both Robbie's Kyle, obviously Graham and Lee when they come over. And we're all very different in, I would say, what we give, how we analyse, the way we research. Um, I think the the common thread for us all would be the research part, which is like the foundation of every week. I have to say, you know, chance just to say what a brilliant research group we've got headed by a certain individual who I'm not going to give any credit who's on us every moment of the week with a bad pronunciation and all a bad stuff but that is how exacting it is and then backed up by VT and people in the control room we kind of have everything we need at, 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 on our hands really so we can deliver in, in the right way in some respects I think the, the way we are on camera and the personalities we are tells you a little bit in the different way that we. We, um, we study and we prepare. So, you know, Musty's clinical, analytic. I mean, should have been a surgeon or a private investigator, Musty. You know, he, he wants detailed
4: data. He's got the code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Must he, um, be a private no. investigator, not a surgeon.
5: <laughs> hey, Mark's kind of inquisitive and, and can be quite argumentative and strong-minded and challenging and in a different way, but doesn't write things down. I'm the opposite in that, you know, I, I'm a bit more gut and feeling and, Thinking what I would do in that situation, or what players do, and that's the kind of area I go. So, you know, my, my research would start on a, on a basically on a Tuesday. I'm kind of looking back to the last weekend, what what games were, looking at formations and teams. I build from a Tuesday through to to a Saturday in terms of getting the right information. Now, I like to 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 almost feel and understand what's going on in and around clubs, in and around players. So. I link back to contacts I've got in the media, friends who are at football clubs, whether they're sometimes ambassadors now or coaches or in the academy, can sometimes just give you a little steer on things that, that might be happening. Um, I, I try and get as much access to the shows that go on in, in the UK to, to you know, understand what they're saying about players, like the Match of the Days and, and the football focuses and the Sky Sports and obviously <laughs> Sky Sports News on NBC is a, a, a great uh, avenue for us. But in, in many respects, you know, I listened to, to Lee and Graham talk about, you know, when they're at, at the stadium. The game, the story's almost there for them. They, it's for them to narrate the story. The story's going to unfold. For us, it's about setting things up, half-time and, and, and the end of the game. And because we're very different, I always feel my, my thing's a bit more heart and emotion. I, I think somebody, in, when I first started off, said to me, always think of a news a headline. Give somebody a headline so that they can understand, they can take away, they can go down the pub and talk to the mate. So, you know, I'm I'm coming with the sexy Stoke. So Mark is at Stoke City, he's got Bojan, he's got an it he's got shakiri You know, all of a sudden as I'm doing my research and writing a little bit about Stoke, I'm going, Oh, Stoke are a bit sexy now, aren't they? We've got something to them. So it's my kind of way of putting it across. You know, I think we were at Old Trafford 18 months ago. I said to although. He asked us about Jose Mourinho, I said, could be brilliant or he could be, he could be sacked by Christmas. He went just in the last week of December. That's me saying, of me saying, listen, I know with Jose, he can be brilliant, but he can go badly very quickly. In the space of two or three weeks, he can go from sort of top man to toxic. And it he, and he did and he, and he went. And so I kind of throw those big kind of statements out, often with facts and stats behind them, Whereas Musty's more, more going to tell me how many times he's done this, how many times he's played there, how many crosses he's had, and all that detail to get his opinion. I'm going to go on what I feel, what I would see, what, what's happening on, on the pitch. And that's the bit that probably we, the, the advantage the guys have in the UK is they're there at the games. You get that feeling, that little bit, that's so much more. So when we go to the UK and we, we get a chance to do the commentaries, that's the bit that is so much in, more enjoyable. Because you can feel, you actually get a feel of, of what's going out, out on the pitch, not a, a um, screen that's thousands of miles away. That you have to try, that's the skill then, to try and put yourself in that position with the, with the crowd, with the presses, with the situation of the game and try and let our viewers understand what's going on.
1: You're definitely the most romantic of the two Robbies. And that's why we call you Romantic Robbie and we call Musty Data and Fact Musty. Musty talks
2: robot, to robot you. Robot Robbie. Yeah. Talk <laughs> to you. Okay,
1: how you get ready for a show.
2: Okay. So, like Rob, it starts on a Tuesday. Um, and what I do, and I can show you one of them. So, again, it's all on the Stat Pack and Stat Pack comes out on a Thursday. So, Tuesday, I'll have a cover sheet to the Stat Pack because I want, I want to look down at any time. And I have key information or key points I want to make right there in front of me. I don't want to be going through bits of paper to try and find something. So I'll do a top sheet. But you will.
6: Yeah, I'll do that too.
2: Um, <laughs> so, so, so Tuesday so Tuesday, is about... Mm. So, of course, we'll have three games Saturday, two games Sunday, one game Monday. Six games. So there's not a lot of... You know,
1: including the games that aren't on NBC, I said, or NBC. So not including... Yeah, them.
2: they're the ones that we're going to focus mainly on. So that's mm. like, you know, that's... That's, that's a lot of stuff to think about. So I'll do a cover sheet, and I'll, I'll from the weekend on the Tuesday, I'll write down how every team played that I've got next weekend. That's how it starts. If I've, so from the weekend, ready for the next weekend, and that cover sheet looks like this. And it's just – basically, it's just I've got two fields. It's split down the middle, and I'll put the teams there, and I'll start off on Tuesday by putting in what they did in the last game, what their formation was. So when we go, like the guy said – when we speak to the guys before a game, you know, I know what they did last time, Well, he played on the right-hand side. Aspericueta played right back. Uh, Jorginho played. Hudson-Odoi was on the right-hand side. So I kind of do that straight away. Now, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll be watching games. Me and Robbie will do a um, podcast, and the Euro podcast, and we, we've tracked the Premier League team. So we watch games Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Thursday, the stat pack comes out. So Thursday, uh, late afternoon... <coughs> Then I start going through the stat pack, picking out stuff to write at the top part. So the top part is, is just stuff that I've picked out, important stats or and, and key things I think is important, which have been game through the week, watching news, listening to podcasts, watching the European games, and just trying to figure out different angles on games that, that are hopefully somewhat interesting. Um, Do you keep them, course, Robbie? Yeah. I yeah, yeah, got, well, Have you got, got like a key, filing cabinet full of them? Right, yeah, that's right there. There it is. Right there, there
1: we go. we've talked about for so many years. apologies to people who are listening to this broadcast by the way, rather than watching it. Uh, let's just tell oh. you that Musty is sitting in front of a filing cabinet and he has just shown us all his cover sheet, which does look very impressive, Musty.
6: And he's not wearing no. any clothes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the game the game goes on. So this, so we do this for well, I do this for the six games um, by. You know, and then you've got press conferences. So we haven't mentioned that yet, but we do, we're lucky enough to get the feed of all the press conferences of all the managers going into Premier League weekends. I think they are maybe the most important part of how I prep for a weekend. And the guys talked about doing a game. It's a little different. They can focus on one game or if the guys are doing two games over a weekend, really get into that. We've got to get little bits from different managers of all the, the 12 teams that we'll be looking at. So that comes through, they come through Thursday night and Friday night. So that's, that's the last bit to fill in you know, what might be interesting go up to the game. The uh, game let me goes, ask you
6: a question real quick. In the studio, sometimes you you furiously erase uh, parts of that sheet and you seem very angry about it. Okay. Um,
2: what is that about? Well, uh, I don't... Uh, during the game, I'll, I'll erase. We call it something different, which is not no. very appropriate. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, we... we uh, so so this, uh, the game kicks off and I have... And then, of course, we talk to the guys and we figure out what the system is. So it takes five yeah. minutes we've got... We have all the banks of uh, monitors behind us, and we have a tactical camera. Again, that's something that's so brilliant for us. The guys get, get that view from being in the stadium. So from a tactical camera, you can figure out what's going on, and that's what I'm doing. Well, he's not playing there, and I'll, and I'll, I'll erase that player. And, and that, takes, that takes a few minutes to do that. And then just with the game, I'll make a note of substitutions, and the bottom part is about my observations from the game. So points I want to make, data and fact about goal scores and all that kind of stuff. So, so at the end of the game, it looks like that completed. And then, you know, these bits at the bottom is what, you know, you might ask us, Rebecca, what do you want to talk about? Or what was the headlines? You know, I am not the sponge. I'm more of a blooming rock or Swiss cheese in my head. So I have, to write, I have to write everything down so I don't forget things. I remember the first guy I worked with on TV said to me, never come out of a show saying, I wish I would have said that. So with my memory, I have to write things down. It goes at the bottom and that's where, you know, we'll get into our conversations, Rebecca. So it's, I mean, again, we have an amazing tape room that does all the editing for us as well during the game that we can pull out features and things like that. But I mean, listen, I could talk forever. There's so much that goes into it and the help that we get. um, But that's just how I do it with my my game pack split up and a cover sheet so I can get to stuff because I can't remember things like Kyle can.
1: And Musty, just before we get to Arlo, go on, Arlo. Arlo's put oh, his
3: no, up. No, 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 absolutely. Because so I was going to turn it on you, because I mean, oh. I, my system is very well documented. I'm happy to talk about it, you know, at the end. But we, we don't generally hear from you and your preparation because you're yeah. running the entire show. But why didn't you follow up, Musty, and then give us a give us an idea about your prep?
1: Oh uh, yeah, okay. So just quickly, Musty, on a scale of one to ten, how important would you say your pencil is?
3: <laughs> ten.
1: Yeah.
5: Yeah. I mean, back, back, talk, talk a little bit about how when Musty loses a pencil. I a mean, studio.
1: and we're not talking a normal, regular pencil, guys. We're talking. Have you got it, Musty? Are you getting it? Of
4: course, it's oh, got. Of course, it's no, got. Kyle. He's He's Kyle, have you have you got any lead in your pencil, Kyle?
1: <laughs> Here he is. has got a pencil. Now this pencil has. Now, is it the same pencil from twenty thirteen, Musty?
2: No, I I, I got. That. It's just. Becky Lyle. <laughs> Beautiful. But that's what I erase I with all the time. That's what I found in my bag, by the way. Not stolen. Oh. On
1: one of his pencils.
2: It's one of Musti's oh. pencils. That's a disgrace. Oh, stolen a pencil. gate.
1: That's, that's a joke. Found it in a
2: bag. That's a joke. That's a prize. That's <laughs> a joke,
1: mate. Joke, joke. Yeah, um, so that's it. That's mother. a pencil. Yeah, it
6: must be oh. in his pencil. Very. Important. How has Musto not gotten a, 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 a sponsorship? I mean, it's just it's. it's. it's, it's no, oh, there's I'm,
4: a there's there's definitely a pencil out there. Always thinking of money. Always thinking of money
6: and people don't know this as well is M- musto is an incredible artist as well can draw remarkable he could draw a motorcycle for you a matchbook those are the only two things he can draw <laughs> correct
1: so
6: matchbook.
1: oh gosh okay too many in jokes um okay so my preparation arlo is kind of it's it's slightly less structured in that i feel like it's um i'm always listening to talk sport radio i mean i worked there 20 years ago so i've always had more of an affiliation to it, and I also think as good as Radio 5 Live is, which actually I also work for, of course, um, it, it, Radio 5 Live is so much more news and other sports, and I, you know, all I care about is football, so talk sport, as we know, is football, football, football. So I have that on in the car, wherever I drive. I have that, as long as I'm not with Teddy, who's like, uh, can I get the Disney songs on? So if I'm not, if I'm not with Teddy, I'm talk sport in the house. Who's Georgie football. Bingham, mom? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's wall to wall the whole time, no matter what hour of the day, it always has to be. Um, because of course we would not sky sports news more than just for a few hours and those few hours are not great with my schedule so all the time so just kind of through a process of constantly listening um, Reading the clips that come no one's mentioned those but the clips that come every day we get an email every day from research which has Sometimes about anywhere between an hour and an hour and a half or two hours of reading from all the daily newspapers and all the different stories and I either read them that night or I save them up and I read them all on a Thursday um, because I know most of the stories as the as day as the days go on, but just reading them just for me, I'm, my system is very much about reading, reading, soaking things in. And that's how you seem to remember facts as well as listening. Um, so I do, so I do that. Those are my two things I always do. Um, and then the actual preparation will start in terms of what I have on my desk will be on a Thursday when Teddy's at preschool on Thursday morning, and I'll start doing similar to Musto's cover sheets for every game that we're doing, which is six games every weekend. Um, and then I also, once I've got the stat pack, I do similar to Musty. I go through it, and I'm looking for slightly different things to Musty. I'm looking for a mixture between storylines and stats. But then I also go elsewhere and try to find, sometimes I'll literally just Google a player or Google a team and get the latest news, and you might just get an interesting tidbit. In. And so much of my job, Arlo, as you know, because you've done it, is throwing to breaks and coming out of breaks. Mm. And I'm sort of constantly trying to find something interesting mm. to try and throw to break with, because otherwise it's, you can just say, and you know, we'll be back with warm ups next. I want to try and give the audience just something, add a nugget in somewhere along the way, if I possibly can. Um, but I think generally, I just kind of, I live it really. And on a Friday, I do, I finish all my written notes, and then I read every every clip I've not read, I go through all the newspapers, I read the Telegraph and the Times every day sports section, um, and sit on a plane, listen to talk sport. I mean, that's basically, it's kind of every single day, seven days a week is how Mm. I try to kind of, by osmosis, soak in as much as possible. And I'm just lucky. I have a photographic memory and I have a very good memory. Things do stick, um, but I do forget them very quickly. So, for example, if Robbie Earle has an amazing memory, long term. So, you'll say, Robbie, what happened in, like, when Tottenham played Man United two seasons ago? And he'll literally tell you the game. I can't tell you what happened Mm. last weekend. That's the problem. I can tell you on the day, everything about that game just cannot talk about last weekend at all. So it's kind of like a interesting how different everybody is. But, yeah, so it's kind of a seven-day, 24-7, constant
6: preparation. <laughs> you know the <what> part? <clears throat> of the preparation I miss the most is makeup room chats, which are 75% friends catching up um, and 25%, okay, we're getting ready to do a show massive important part of the weekend preparation. And also the Robbie's a laugh and, and Graham and Lee, I don't know if you noticed this when you come into NBC at 4am and all the lights are out and it's dark and you come down the hallway and Angelo says hello to you and you're walking down, you get a coffee before you even turn the corner. Um, you, you, you hear Beck's, her, her, <laughs> it's a cackle. It's a laugh. <laughs> yeah. that not many people have actually heard the Beck's belly laugh, but you can <laughs> hear it. From, from a quarter of a mile away. <laughs> um,
1: and
6: that's when you know, like, all right, like, we're here, the day is going to start, and you come yeah. around the corner, and Dex is just with her curls just having a blast. Well, listening to talk sports is
1: amazing. <laughs>
3: I've recently learned of a way that we can measure if you can hear it a quarter of a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> next up you go. Top of the away end at St James's. We'll be on the halfway line.
1: Oh, exactly. We're going to
3: test this. Tell you a joke. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant stuff,
1: boys. Oh, anything you want to add about your preparation that maybe isn't documented? Anything you do new or different, or yes. you change anything?
3: It, again, it starts on Tuesday. I mean, I'll just show you quickly. here. I mean, I put these on on uh, Twitter or uh, or uh, Insta every week. That's the last game that we did. Oh. Um, the Manchester derby and it's just a, a series of stickers you know generally we're doing two games every weekend my, fo- my focus all week is on four teams with a little looking a little bit at what everybody else is doing but it's very much focused on four teams and of course four teams have 25 players each so that's 100 players so you've got to know everything about every player so and I was thinking earlier on say it's Liverpool and say Curtis Jones come off, comes off the bench it's not about giving every statistic possible about Curtis Jones, but how many Premier League appearances has he made? Has he ever scored a senior goal? Did he play in a League Cup tie earlier this season? Has he played you know, many games to the under-23s? Has he played England under 21 It's just about sort of educating people that maybe don't know, and I don't know at the start of the week sometimes, exactly what the story is for this player who probably doesn't even make the 18. But one <laughs> day, will, and then he'll come off the bench and he'll score, and I've got to be ready for it.
7: Arlo, it's fair, it's fair to say that you're obviously very protective of your stickers on match day. And mm. I can't remember, and correct me if you've told this story, but have you told the Fulham story?
3: No, I don't think so, not in public, no. So just um,
7: quickly tell them the was, Fulham Graham,
3: story. Graham, was it you or, or was it you, Lee? It must have been me. Graham on. on it, that, was, oh, me. it was Lee. So yeah. just tell it's him. a windy day, and you will all know Craven Cottage, the stands aren't that high. So when the wind whips around, you can feel it at any part in the ground. Go to other stadiums and you can't feel it once you're in because they're all included. Anyway, I treat these things like, you know, I should have security guards for them because I'm very protective. This is the story of the game. This has everything that I need in the game. So at halftime, I think it was against Spurs perhaps or maybe Chelsea. And our uh, esteemed leader, uh, Lee mentioned, Pierre Moussa, is is with us on a site visit. He's with us for the weekend, morale-boosting visits, got some meetings in the week, takes us out for a nice dinner, but comes to the games as well. So, half-time, I put this down on the desk, and I start chatting to Pierre, start chatting to Lee, suddenly the biggest gust of wind of the (laughs) day goes around. And this just tumbles off the gantry, down (laughs) into the stand below. And I think I just looked at Lee kind of like... (laughs) (laughs) He looked at me like... Like, what? <laughs> what do I do? We've got another half. It's middle nil middle. What's going to happen? So Pierre said, leave it to me. So I kind of, I'm doing, getting all the old, the old paper bag, breathing into the paper bag. <laughs> Lee sort of giving me a massage. You'll be all right, mate. You can do this. You can do this. <laughs> and Pierre, about 10 minutes later, just before kickoff, came back and said, there you go,
6: bud. Here it is. <laughs> Did he punch a guy with a cup of tea for it? <laughs> it was, he went Child.
3: down.
6: And Child. there was there was a young, young lad who had it. And
3: he's like, oh, this is great. What, what a souvenir of, of my first ever Fulham game or something. And oh, Pierre said, listen, kid, um, we need that for the second half. <laughs> and I managed to negotiate and bring it back up. And I was, I'll be forever grateful yeah, for getting it. And that poor kid, actually thinking about it, we should have probably got his name and address and I could have sent it him in the mail afterwards, couldn't I? But, I? but I have got, I've collected every single one. There's a complete set of every game I've ever done except one which I left in the Titanic Hotel um, in Liverpool. I, it was Leicester against Arsenal from this season. And I rang the hotel on Monday. There was no recollection, no, nothing. It'd just been probably thrown away. What's this? What's this crap? And just been thrown in the bin, you know. And, and that, if you've ever seen the Frasier episode, when he, goes, he gets his tape from his show that day and he goes to his cupboard and he goes to put his tape in and he realises there's one missing at the top and it keeps him awake for about three weeks.
7: You can just make another one, Arlo, can't you? Killing me. You can just make another one. You've got all the stickers somewhere on... Mm. It don't take, it doesn't take long, probably.
3: Won't have been filmed.
4: <laughs> be, That's brilliant.
1: I can't That's... wait,
4: can we, do a, can we do a Zoom next week where it's just Arlo and Robbie comparing filing cabinets and uh, they can just do the whole hour? <laughs>
1: amazing brilliant i love it guys thank you so much as ever it's lovely to see all your friendly faces. i hope you're all keeping healthy and well and all your families are as well i know that um all of you send everyone here in the united states watching and listening to this your best wishes and your love um this has been the premier league on nbc podcast you can get it wherever you get your podcast it's also available on the nbc sports youtube channel so gentlemen until next week sending you lots of love
4: bye everyone bye back bye. <laughs>